is the Fact Daddy Experience brought to you via DVR Podcast. Um, This time around, I'd like to first of all wish everyone happy holidays to coming up and hopefully your Thanksgiving was very good and you actually had a lot of things to be thankful for and you're breathing and living life and feeling good. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that new season of Stranger Things. I mean, there will be some spoilers, but I'm not going to go all out. I mean, if you want to spoil it for yourself, the internet has a ton of shit out there that can definitely just allow you to ruin the experience for yourself if that's what you want to do. Uh, if you don't like Stranger Things, that's cool too. Uh, I happen to like it, so that's what. I'm going to talk about, uh, and i like to kick it off with uh, a little quote from Alan Watts, which I thought was interesting. He said, adults in our culture are distinctly zombies. Uh, that's <laughs> a somewhat harsh indictment of how adult human beings are indoctrinated into the modern western world and all that implies I just thought it was interesting especially because of the overwhelming popularity of zombies in this particular decade moving along I love all those 80's aspects of Stranger Things Like in the new season, Chapter 1, Mad Max, the fact that the title is Mad Max obviously references the movie Mad Max just in title, sticking to the era theme of the 80s. And we're introduced to a new character. Maxine, also known as Max, who breaks the record of Dig Dug that our four favorite guys and gal, but mostly the guys. I I never saw Eleven play a video game, but, you know, Will, Lucas, Dustin, and Mike hold various records and Dick Doug. Mad Max breaks those records. Spoiler. Um, I like how the character was introduced. I like the whole vibe. Uh, the rhythm of the show is excellent. I binge watched this one just like I binge watched the first season. I'll bet the first season I think I watched in a day. And this one I had to split because life's responsibilities were calling. But. Rhythm is great. The rhythm of the show is great. And if you don't know what I mean, I'll put it to you like this. There's some shows you can watch. And then there's some shows that are binge worthy. Again, just my freaking opinion. Stranger Things is a binge worthy watch. The continuity and the flow of the show is more greatly appreciated. If you watch it back to back to back you, you you get the whole sense of the 
overarching continuity and how integrated that continuity is in particular in that first Mad Max episode you get an introduction to another character number eight now if you follow Stranger Things you know that 11 is obviously number 11 and that her real name was Jane but just the whole exploration of number eight very briefly in a cool fashion in that first episode I thought was very well done and how that loops back into the seventh episode called the lost sister I also found interesting and I'm mentioning this too because I don't really follow what people say on the internet but I've been told and have heard from other Stranger Things fans that they felt episode 7 was kind of a throwaway and considering how episode 7 impacts episode 9 the gate again I would have to disagree because in a way and essentially number 8 is the only other person thus far on the planet earth who's anything like 11 so that connection and that relationship and that rapport and that history and the challenges of that relationship and what that relationship brings out of Eleven and what she learns from the encounter she has with number eight in episode seven spoiler it it's relevant and that's one of the great things about Stranger Things is that things that seem irrelevant become relevant later. And I think with binge-worthy shows, that tendency is usually there. Whether it's Rick or Morty, whether it's Game of Thrones, shows that tend to have a very good rhythm to them tend to also make reference or indicate something that's going to be presented later so as you're absorbing all that content and information everything has a sort of relevance to it and it lends itself towards fandom and deep diving in the first place it's sort of reminiscent of when people loved the show Lost <coughs> excuse me <coughs> Excuse me. Bless me. Um, like the show Lost was obviously a lot trickier. And I didn't watch all of it. But I knew a lot of people who did. And that kind of sense of seeing something. <coughs> Bless me again. Seeing something and being absorbed in the content actually focusing on what you're watching and seeing how it goes back into the overall representation of the story that's being told that's done very well here <coughs> bless me again sorry so some of the other things that I, I 
I'm finding more and more interesting is, for example, we know that there's 80s references and references to certain popular culture icons of the 80s slash late 70s. Example being Alien is not only an example, one of the biggest examples because in Alien... You know, you have the hive mind aspect of the Demogorgon and the Demo Dogs. And that's reminiscent of Alien. Also, the way that they kill other living beings. Sometimes there's a pseudo cocooning aspect or, you know, a slow feeding where the individual, for example, will isn't outright murdered but is slowly destroyed as opposed to another character later in the season who is just devoured semi-spoiler their eating habits are odd Uh, the interdimensional element is a bit odd because the implication is that you know the gate has allowed these interdimensional entities to come through but these interdimensional entities kind of function as a parasitic hive mind super organism so i don't know exactly where they're going to go with that facet or aspect of the demogorgons and all that entails but it's interesting that they generate a parasitic bond psychically with their host, which is, you know, a focal point in the episode The Spy, which is the sixth episode. And that's very interesting. I particularly enjoyed when Will going through that parasitic psychic bond with the head consciousness of the Demogorgon hive mind generates the map of Hawkins I liked it visually as well because I mean it has a lot of work uh, to take all those different papers and to generate that map and to place them up in a room yes we know it's fiction but the labor involved in that thought process is fascinating and I think it's intensive and I like how they use Sean Austin and Paul Reiser in the show especially because of the similarities with Alien in certain respects the fact that Paul Reiser is in the show and he's again working for the man but in this instance he's not a total asshole like he was in Aliens when he portrayed Burke who Burke is just one of the most horrifically evil corporate asshole representations in a sci-fi cinema ever so I guess it's interesting that Paul Reiser gets to move away from that decades old representation and actually gets to be kind of a decent human being in this one um those are good 
80s homages, especially Sean Austin because he was in Goonies. And this is a cast dominated by an ensemble of child actors, so like Goonies. So I think that was an interesting thing that the Duffer Brothers did. I like how they explore certain relationships, like the underlying tension between certain characters, such as, quite obviously, Nancy and Jonathan, and you have Joyce and Hopper, and there's some other ones that crop up, I mean... There's not a real tension between Mike and Eleven. They just love each other, which is cute. And just the overall nature of the story, I think what makes some of the binge-watching shows great, too, is the exploration of the humanity of the individuals within the show, within the framework of a larger context of trauma, meaning they're going through something that the majority of us aren't going through but they're still human they remain confused curious strong weak like every dualistic thing that can be represented about us as living creatures is put on the screen and it's it's great because you connect to the story via your own basic common humanity like we've all liked someone who might not have liked us or we've all liked someone who did like us but had other emotional entanglements and things get complicated or we've all faced certain emotional or psychic demons that were either overcome with assistance or were not overcome without assistance which resulted in great suffering for us. The storytelling acts as a metaphor for the journey each of us as a human individual has to go through regardless of the circumstances and the fact that characters can say something stupid in the middle of a crisis lends it a certain fictitious authenticity in that we've all been in situations where you know some reactions to what's happening are just absurd but they're not absurd in and of themselves or for the sake of merely being absurd they're absurd because that's that person's reaction to trauma is to present absurdity to alleviate the stress and tension of the situation for no other reason than just to alleviate the stress and tension of the situation this happens in more than one instance when Dustin and his burgeoning relationship with his pet slash friend Dart become somewhat problematic for the group and that evolves and comes out and has its place later on in the story particularly during the 8th and ninth episodes but suffice it to say that had that relationship not been established and been in place the outcome might have been very different and it's reminiscent in my mind of that Radiohead song uh, everything in its right place 
There are instances and moments in life where everything seems out of place, out of order, chaotic, disturbing, and you don't see a way out, you don't see a way around, and the only way out is through, but you don't know if you can make it through to get out, and somehow, some way, going by your intuition, going by a kind of silent, even semi-conscious faith you go with your gut you go with your instincts and somehow in some way the choices you've made lead and create and generate a path that allows you to go through to get out and I think that the setup in that regard as it pertains to this particular show is phenomenal it's a setup where everything is very integrated everything's very connected and it, it has a seamless flow to it. And that seamlessness is appreciated, at least on my behalf as a viewer, because it generates enough interest where I want to watch again. And you want more. Even though you could sit through the almost nine hours of what you're watching in a flash and it feels like it's quick and they say time flies when you're having fun even though the content of the show can be if you put it under great consideration or thought or reflection disturbing the way that it connects with you as a viewer the, the expression of the humanity of the characters and all the assumptions you have about them not holding anything not I, I don't know what the phrase is holding air consistency truth whatever it is that's fascinating for example Steve Steve Harrington is you, you know the immediate depiction is he's kind of an asshole and to varying degrees he is but there's different elements and different sides and aspects of him and his journey through the story that is Stranger Things is interesting because it challenges what your notion of a jock asshole is. That this individual does have their own individuality, their own feelings, their own sentiments, and their own approach to life. And that approach can also be very mature and sensitive and caring of other individuals, even though all previous individuals information did wasn't indicative of that truth or that reality or that aspect of that person and that makes it interesting because you have these complicated relationships between people where sometimes they hurt and devastate each other in order to grow sometimes on their journey to growth they end up following a scorched earth policy and a lot of things don't survive and yet you see it with Steve Harrington. You even see it with Dustin in a lighter moment in the show. Where he's trying to find his way. In his young, young age. and In his youth. His early teenagehood. And he suffers. But, you know, it's respected that he put forth an effort. Even in light of whatever minor obstacles 
were f- confronting him at that age and at that time in his life. Not getting a date or not being acknowledged is difficult t- to take. It's it's hard, and yet he had the courage to try. So there are a lot of assumptions that we as living beings make about each other and about the world around us and about what we see and what we know and what is real but at the end of the day we're all human beings we all have dreams, aspirations loves, loathing the whole gambit And but we're connected that way that's what connects us and great storytelling brings that to us and represents it to us and we can see it and it's demonstrated and we connect to it and I think that the show resonates with a lot of people on a lot of levels for a lot of different reasons and I also know some amazing people who don't like it because again you know whatever you're connecting to in the show is a facet of yourself that you see within the show whether it actually exists or not is irrelevant you feel it, it resonates with you, and that resonance makes you watch. I think they did a great job with this show in this second season. It was binge-worthy. It was interesting. The action elements were awesome. I did, in fact, enjoy number eight, whether other people did or not, to just spoil it because you see her in the first episode. She's pretty much an Indian girl from London and when you see her she's got a punk rock look and she's got powers so I thought it was cool as hell Um, a lot of people didn't like Eleven's punk rock look from some of the things that I've been told by friends who watch the show I really don't care I love the punk rock look Um, it wasn't over the top but I mean again it's the 80s, and it's a TV show. And the setting is the 80s, is what I mean. And it was cool. So, Stranger Things Season 2, if you have Netflix, you should definitely watch it. I think it's super awesome. I didn't go crazy with spoilers, but I, I just think the show does an excellent job of storytelling and that's really the bottom line is how do you connect to this story and what elements are you reaching for and I think they just hit on a lot of archetypal elements of youth alienation otherworldliness finding yourself being broken down and then building yourself back up and just moving through trauma and suffering to survive so on that note I'll be back. Um, I'm going to probably deep dive into this show that I really like called Erased. I might have mentioned it before. It falls into my obsession with time traveling stories and the, the facets of those, which I've discussed previously. And that's about it. Uh, I thank you for your time. I appreciate each and every human being listening whether they find what I'm saying interesting or not it's irrelevant thank you for your time anyway I hope the holidays are good to you and 
I will definitely be discussing Erased and a few other things as I look into them because I, I stumble across some stuff and I don't know, maybe I'll see something that really interests me and I'll talk about it. So take care. Wubba, 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 God bless and hasta la pasta.